hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Welcome to the Green Top Outdoors podcast with your host, Hunter Brooks. What's up, guys? What's going on? Another Travis. day at the office. So we're back for another episode of the Green Top Outdoors. Travis Barrett once again joins us for this episode, and we got a new face in the room today. It's Austin Rush. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. How about you? I'm great, man. I'm doing good. You've been with the company a long time as well. This topic today kind of is definitely in your wheelhouse because you're you're an outdoors guy. Tell our listeners a little bit about you. Hey, so my, my name is Austin Rush. I started in at Green Top when I was in high school back in 2005. Had a couple stints where I wasn't here, did the stay-at-home dad thing and whatnot, but basically been here since 2005. Currently, I work and am one of the leads in the fishing department, but I like to do a whole lot of, of hunting and fishing trapping, all types of outdoor activities. Cool. The big topic today, I'd say, is going to be hunting. You know, we wanted to kind of talk about maybe the future of of hunting, where we see things going maybe in the next 10 years. You know, one of the worst days, I think, of the entire year is the last day of the season. I think that, I think everybody can say that, whether it's a duck season, goose season, deer season, turkey season. Well, some people are kind of glad turkey season's over with because it starts getting really bad with the bugs and snakes in the heat but um when you say travis it's a gloomy day man it is it is it's it's a certain type of depression not a bad depression but you know you've waited all year for your favorite season to come in you've had fun doing it now you got to sit around waiting another 10 months or so depending on the season to go again yeah or you gotta you gotta find something else to get out there and go after whether it's you know of course predator hunting we've seen how really popular that's become it's, you know you get into january and february and march it's just there's nothing to do you know what are you gonna do yeah the days haven't gotten longer the weather hadn't broke yet it's like it's cold I call it from super bowl sunday till daylight savings time it's just a dreary time of day that's a good day to, good time of year to do your maintenance on your equipment yep stuff like that yeah the, the post hunting uh hunting season to-do list you know and you start getting those things in your head during the season you're like oh that's one thing i'm gonna have to get into after the season i'm gonna have to do all my gun cleaning and separate all my, my gear get all that squared away but yeah it's a somber day man i, I always I always dread that last day of deer season because you know you got to wait all spring, all the rest of winter, all spring, all summer into the fall. It's, it's no fun. And, you know, of course the camaraderie, the, uh, of your club, if you're going, if you're hunting in a club or, or wherever, you know, it's, it's, you're not going to see some of those guys you get to be around, you know, for a good number of weekends. So it's uh, it's kind of a drag, but yeah. And here in Virginia, we kind of have a advantage over a lot of the other parts of the country. We have a long deer season. Yeah. So if you like to bow hunt and muzzleload hunt, firearm hunt depending on where you live in the state i mean you can have 13 weeks of deer season yeah you know a lot of states only have a week or two total and then they might have a late muzzle loader or shotgun but we're lucky here in the commonwealth to have such a long season if you'd like to do a little bit of everything so it's no longer virginia department of game and inland fisheries it's uh like dwdr department of wildlife resources or i don't know you know, I'm always used to calling it the the Department of Game and Inland Fisheries. Yeah. Or the Game Department. You know, that's what yeah, everybody calls it the Game Department. Always be probably, Just like they're always going to be game wardens to yeah. me, but they're conservation yeah, police. Conservation officers, which, yep. but I, you know, I'll, I'll probably always call it the Game Department. I don't know why uh, I can't get away from that. You know, they do a great job of getting the data out there to the hunters, working with the hunt clubs, 
I read an awesome article in the uh, Whitetail Times. It's a quarterly magazine that the uh, Deer Hunters Association mm-hmm. puts out. Our good friend Denny Quaith. Yeah, Denny Quaith and those guys, Nick Hall and them. Um, great organization, by the way. You, um, if anybody listening is not a member, you should look into it. Uh, they put out a great quarterly magazine, lots of rich, rich data and information in there, great articles. But I think Matt Knox, the head biologist for the game uh, department, there I go again, the game department, he wrote a great article and there's some awesome data in there uh, over the last couple of years, which we'll get into maybe in a little bit. But um, yeah, I think we're fortunate to have such a good organization that runs our, our seasons like they do. Um, like I you said, I mean, we, we're, we're fortunate to have such a long season for one, but I think it's uh, they, they do an exceptional job and uh, I have no complaints on them. What about you? No, not at all. Um, and they have some pretty cool banquets to go to as well. Right. You know, and also they don't just govern the laws. If, if you have property and you want better deer hunting or better bird hunting or whatever it is, they will send a biologist out and evaluate your property and tell you what you need to do or what you need to plant for the habitat to make you more successful and make the game on your property more plentiful and more healthy. Yeah, which kind of leads us into what's what's the future hold for for us you know for guys that enjoy the outdoors that hunting for one that's that's the main that's the main issue i mean uh fishing i don't think really catches the flack like hunting does mm-hmm. some people say well hunting's a privilege and yeah i think it's a privilege but it uh, it's it's more of a tradition in my mind you know a privilege can be taken away from you i don't i don't like to look at it that way that's right so i mean Let's get into it. Uh, when it comes to this past deer season, you know, Travis, I know you're a member of a club mm-hmm. and y'all are usually extremely successful. Got a big club. Y'all got a lot of land you hunt. Uh, how about, how'd y'all, how'd y'all do this year? Well, yeah, actually in terms of number of deer, we've had our third best year this year. We're lucky. We, we hunt in a region that just has always had plenty of deer because it's a lot of agriculture and it's just good property. You know, I've hunted many counties throughout the state. You know, we hunt in Hanover County, some in New Kent, and we have a piece up in the northern neck in Lancaster County. But we're lucky that we're surrounded by agriculture and just, you know, we got swamp land, we got large timber, we got cutovers. So it's just a good blend, and it seems the deer replenish real easily. And usually you'll find a nice one every now and then. This year we didn't have as good a luck on the trophy deer, but... We, we killed a few nice ones. Your club, y'all are a, yeah, do you, is there steel hunting mostly or is it just it's? No, it's it's a dog hunting club. We run dogs. We have organized hunts. We hunt the first week and the last two weeks as a club every day, Monday through Saturday. And then after that, we hunt on Wednesdays and Saturdays. We do a couple organized muzzleload hunts where we hunt as a group. And when I say that, We'll pick two or three days and put it on the calendar and say, hey, we're going to hunt this piece of property. If you want to come out muzzleload hunt, come on. And, you know, because some of the farmers, they want some of the deer population down. Yeah, I mean, as far as success rate goes annually or just on your normal deer season, are you guys seeing most of the deer you're harvesting or killing, it's going to be the first week or two of general firearm season? Is that when the bulk of it's coming or is it kind of spread out all throughout? Ours is spread out. We always have a good first week because deer in the, woods the deer haven't been pressured as much. Right. There's more people hunting because a lot of guys take vacation. 
Same thing with the last two weeks or Christmas week. You know, traditionally the kids are out of school. People are off work. Anytime you got more people in the woods when you're hunting with dogs and making drives, you can cover more spots. So you're going to be more successful. But if I could only pick whether you bow hunt, muzzle load hunt, still hunt, if I could just pick a one-week period in Virginia, it would be November 5th through the 12th. That is prime time, year in and year out. If you're going to kill a nice buck or have a chance at one, I would pick that week every year and hunt. I don't care what county you're in. Yeah, I mean, you're almost guaranteed to at least see something. Yes. You know, some people just, they break under pressure, you know, and they might miss one. But, you know, you're going to definitely see something in that week. And I, I agree with you, Travis. If I can't get in the woods at least two of those days in that week period, I mean, I'm you don't, wanna, you don't want to be around me. I mean... <laughs> I'm depressed. I just can't, you know, I can't take it. It's the best time, you know, and that's what, when you're working in a business like this and you're, you're in here doing your job or, or where, any other job, if you, if you just can't get time off or you can't take off and you know, there's other guys out there taking advantage of that. Plus nowadays with social media, everybody's posting, man, the woods were on fire today. I seen oh, yeah. bucks chasing does and fighting. And I can't take that. And getting online and seeing all these monsters getting brought down and you know the late starting it starts in late late october right towards the end of bow season and then you get that pre-rut time and then you get right into the rut and you start seeing these giants fall you're like oh gosh i can't i can't take this i gotta take off austin you're more of a still hunter bow hunter type guy wouldn't you agree oh yeah that's that's definitely my favorite time to be in the woods the largest deer that i ever took was on election day when i was in high school Luckily, uh, we were out of school for the day, so I decided to go hunting that morning and, you know, was fortunate enough to take my biggest deer, you know, ever. And I've had probably the most big buck encounters during that, you know, week, two week period. Yeah, I know everybody, you know, says it's the moon phase and whatever. Yeah. But if I had to pick a block, that's probably the the time frame it would be. I know some years is earlier than other years, but... Year in and year out, if I was laying a bet and could only pick one seven-day period, it'd be the 5th through the 12th. Yeah, and that's the the tough thing, you know, like Hunter said, working here, they're very generous as far as when we can take off and whatnot, but we're also working around people that do the very same thing. So it's hard to put your time in, you know, months ahead of time to take off for vacation, but that's a pretty safe bet. I've always used that as my go-to time. Yeah, if you're a Facebook person, if you're not a member of Virginia Wallhanger, just go on there. If that don't get you fired up to want to go deer hunting, when you see all the true monster deer in Virginia, or even just the other pictures, you know, the kids with their first deer, it's a really cool thing to let you know what we have, and it's just up to you to go out there and do it. That's what gets me. That gets me fired up, man. I mean, you know, that like you said, that that time of the year beginning in november man that's when that's when those giants really start acting foolish man and that's when you it's when you want to catch one acting like a fool one and it's about the only week them big boys you might even ever lay eyes on other than a game camera pick that's nocturnal you know and it's arguable a lot of people will say well yeah your scent control is uh, the most important thing but you know there's a couple two three days in there where they act so foolish I don't think it doesn't matter what you're wearing or what direction the wind's blowing, whatever. I mean, they they just don't care. Yeah, we've all had that encounter in the woods where that buck's just so hot on a doe. It don't matter what you do. 
I mean, he ain't paying no more attention to you and the man in the moon when he's locked on. It's just nothing more exciting than that, man, because it's just, you know, nobody wants to go out there and not see anything. But that time of the year, is just, oh. Yeah, if you have deer on your property and if you don't see anything that week, you need to find a new property. <laughs> or some new management skills or something, right? Yeah, exactly. How about this year, Austin? I know you got a big family now. You don't you don't get to go as much, right? Yeah, you're like me. So, I mean, uh, come that week, I would normally hunt, you know, five, if not all, you know, seven days when I was younger. But yeah, with kids, I did specifically take some time off. You know, I may have taken a week off. I still only got to hunt, you know, maybe three or four of those days. But I made sure that's when I took time off, and I didn't have any encounters this year with any of big deer. Passed up some small bucks, passed up you. some does, and uh, ended up taking one doe, you know, just to, to get something in the freezer. But it's just being out there, as hectic as everything has been, especially this year, you know, just getting out there and being able to sit on a, you know, a cool evening where it's nice and quiet out in the woods. That was my biggest thing. I'm, as I get older, that's what's more important. Didn't put up any numbers, but I saw some deer this year and uh, just didn't didn't see the big one. Well, maybe you left some youngins for, for next year to grow bigger, right? Absolutely. Travis, by you, man. I was if probably you missed, one man, of my worst right. seasons ever. I, never, <laughs> I didn't pull the trigger this year. I seen deer on about every time I went. I went a total of about eight days, but they was either too far or yeah. didn't have a good shot or you name it. But did I see a nice buck or anything? No, I did not. But that was on me for only hunting as little as I did. Right. 2020, obviously, was a crazy year. I mean- It was. It was tough. I think this pandemic has been good for the outdoors in general because it has actually maybe introduced hunting or fishing to more people, uh, not not necessarily kids, but just people in general because you know, a lot of people are spending more time at home now and they want to get out and do something. But, you know, people are trying to find something else to do. And I think we've seen that interest peaked uh, this summer, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of, well, actually back in the spring, the kayak sales and, the, and, and our, you know, just people, everybody getting into fishing now, and now, whether, whether it's freshwater or saltwater. But I think it's good for the, the future because maybe we're starting to grasp a newer generation of people that are going to take interest in hunting which I think you, you have to constantly keep doing that because if this tradition is to live on, we got to have more people involved because I know the game department was, and, and this is like nationwide reports. I've read that they've seen a decline in hunting. So therefore the, like we're talking about deer hunting, uh, you, they've seen a decline in that. You, so you've seen a, uh, an increase in the population of the deer and it's a shame, but this year's uh, actually, I think helped us more than anything. Yeah, I agree. And I tell you, the last few years, I don't know how long it's been going on now. The greatest thing I think the state has done is the youth weekend. Oh, yeah. You know, I wish I would have had that growing up. Yeah, man. You know, but you know, anybody not aware of it, you take a kid 15 or younger, isn't it 15? I think it's 15, yeah. They get to hunt the last Saturday of September, and they can use any weapon of their choice as long as it's legal in that county. They get a chance to go after the deer before the pressure really starts. And that's just a great thing, in my opinion. Yeah, they do it spring gobbler season, turkey yes. season. You yeah. get the weekend before, which uh, we didn't have that when we were coming up, which uh, that's, you know. And now you got the apprentice license. So easy today, right? 
Yeah, and I was able to capitalize on that this year. My daughters were, you know, school ended kind of abruptly with everything in the spring. Yeah. I was forced to be at Sorry. home a little bit more. And so I did get to squeeze in a little more turkey hunting than normal. I took my daughter. She was able to harvest her first mature gobbler, but her second youth day turkey this spring. So this day is definitely beneficial to getting young hunters and, and apprentice hunters out there for the first time. And just like with anything with kids, you got to keep them interested, you know, whether it's fishing or hunting and, and being able to get out there before everybody else. And before, you know, you really get a lot of pressure, yep. I think definitely ups your odds on being successful and getting them locked in and wanting to do it more. I mean, getting people out is just that's the first step you know like you said earlier when i I didn't get many days to hunt this year because this was just a crazy year i mean i was working too much but the days i got to go whether it was just a couple hours here or whatever i just enjoy just being out i mean i I could almost care less if i saw anything it was just nice to be out because some people just enjoy the outdoors more than others, I guess, but just, just getting out is just what's nice. All of us, some of us, um, you know, go with certain friends or family. Uh, my dad and I, he taught me everything I know and just getting out with him is just worth it for me, you know, cause I know he's retired now, so he's got all the time in the world to hunt or fish. And, uh, you know, I think it just means a lot just to get out with a family member that you've been doing it with for, for so long, but the future of hunting, I think it's, it's always in danger, whether it's the firearms aspect of it or just the environmental aspect. You guys want to got any insight on that, Travis? What do you think? Yeah, the big thing with, with any kind of hunting is, is land. You know, they aren't making any more of it. Right. Every time you turn around, they're putting up a new shopping center or a neighborhood. I know a lot of clubs have had to move further out from their home base just because the closer you're in to the larger cities is just 25 years ago, we were hunting certain places and now... There's something sitting on yeah, that piece of property. Or a- exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the big issue in the price of land. The good old days of three, four, five dollars an acre are gone. Everything's fifteen, twenty dollars an acre now for anything closer in. And the old handshake or unless your family owns it type deal. It's it's Is it, and there's competition now too. You know, if a club loses property somewhere now well, it's there's 800 acres. They they want to pick up that land somewhere else. So now they're challenging or competing against another club that's got mm-hmm. a, that lease. That, it almost becomes a bidding war. And, yeah. And it's going to end up costing you more money. And I'm sure that gets frustrating for a lot of clubs. And it doesn't have to be a, a hunt club that runs dogs. It could be four buddies that lease right. a farm. You know, I know a lot of my friends like that, you know, they're not into hunting with a club per se. They would rather still hunt. But they'll lease a piece of property and it might be three or four of them because they're more into trophy management. Or, right. But, you know, they're forking out big bucks because then you only got four people paying for a block of land. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in that boat. You know, I do a majority of my deer hunting and bow and black powder season. And I'm constantly looking and, and asking for places. Things have changed a lot even in the past 10 years. And a lot of places that I learned to hunt and grew up hunting are no longer available or have changed hands. And so I feel like it does make it a little tougher on the, you know, individual that wants to go hunting or the small group that wants to go hunting. So there's no off season as far as trying to get permission, things like that. It doesn't end at the end of deer season. That's something that I try to do year round, try to 
work your way onto a place, whether you have to help a farmer out or, you know, do things like that. Sometimes you got to think outside the box because like Travis said, you know, they're not creating new land and just more and more of it's getting eaten up by other things. So it just makes the value go up. Of yeah, exactly. Whatever. I mean, the state does have public land and I've never really hunted any of it. The private land is a better way to go, in my opinion. You know, the, the, there's public there's public land actually really close to here in uh, in Hanover and in Caroline County that I know of, and it's some great pieces of property. Well, one of them, you know, they just opened up is named after Bob Duncan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one on uh, was that that's on six hundred, right? Yeah, it's the old Goose Pond property that Mister Hopkins that yeah. started Green Top leased for years. Yeah. And I've personally hunted that when he owned it. It's a beautiful place. It is. Yeah. And then there's uh the 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 Mattapani um up in Caroline just north of Bowling Green. That's that's a beautiful piece of property too. Big big piece. It's, you know, I don't I don't know if a lot of people know about some of the the public land. Chickahominy Wildlife is uh, is another good They're one. They're probably the three closest in the Green Top and Richmond area, Fredericksburg. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're fortunate to have that available to us too, but there's, you know, there's other people that have that are fortunate enough to have family land or or they're a member of a club that has uh you know great pieces or primo pieces of property to hunt but the competitiveness is is always going to be there and it might get even even tougher man you know where it's gonna it's gonna get expensive to hunt i mean it already is expensive to hunt i mean i know what i'd pay for gear and ammo and guns and archery equipment but you know just paying for a place to go is it's going to get tougher and tougher and i think that like you said that's the great first point of the whole discussion is what's one of the biggest issues and it's it's land yeah i think land's the biggest hang up for people why i want to go hunting but i don't have anywhere to go right well that's if you want to introduce somebody new to hunting or a kid if you're a member of a club our club we have guests rules you can bring a guest up to three times a year and there's a fee involved obviously but you know of all the deer we killed this year our guests killed 14 of them so i think we killed like 130 so over 10 percent of our deer were killed by guests so and that makes you feel good because if i take somebody hunting i want them to have a good time and if they're lucky enough to harvest a deer then they're really, really happy and yeah, they'll keep like, it going. Duck hunting is the same way. You know, my first time I ever went duck hunting long time ago, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, but I went with some guys that did and man, we made all the difference. We just had a hell of a shoot, man. And it was, I was hooked, man. Right. I mean, like a know, good dove hunt. Yeah, that's right. A good dove, There's nothing like a good dove hunt. Oh, if I could do one thing, a, a good dove hunt beats anything yeah, in my just opinion. Just the enjoyment of it. Yeah, it's just, it's a blast. I mean, deer hunting's boring. Yeah. So for 10 seconds. <laughs> I think another, what we were kind of getting into there is um, the competitiveness on getting things. And then, of course, if we just, if you just talk about well, waterfowl hunting for one, I know how competitive that is. You know, nobody tells secrets. And it's just like, you know, you catch a big bass somewhere, you're not going to tell anybody where you caught it or, or, what you caught. or what you caught it on and all that. And I, I get it, you know, but I think there's a big divide in deer hunting between your, clubs and your dog hunters and now when i if anybody listen it's not actually hunting dogs this is deer hunting with dogs if anybody right. doesn't understand chase that. the deer yeah and, and also we support all legal forms of hunting right we don't have a side one way or the other i've hunted with a club for 31 years and with dogs the whole time but i'll go still hunting too i'd love to sit in a stand with a rifle watching a food plot or a field. Matter of fact, if I had my preference now that I'm older, if I had the right property, that's probably only how I would hunt because then I could just hunt 
a little bit in the morning, a little bit in the evening. When I go with my club, I leave at six in the morning and I don't get home till eight, nine at night. But it's more a social thing. It's like being in a social club. I'm 49 years old. I've killed plenty of deer in my life. I don't go just for the deer. I go for the for the gang. You know, they're my family. And, and like I say, a lot of those guys in that club have been there longer than me. And I mean, it's like family members. So it's more of a social gathering than it is just hunting. This social divide of, of dogs versus still or whatever, we're all hunters in the end. So we got to do what we can to protect our rights and our sport and our privileges. I, I'm all for any hunting. I've hunted a lot with dogs and I hunted, I just, I get more enjoyment out of still hunting, but you know what? I get an invite to go to the club. I, I'm going to take it. It's, it's nice hearing a pack of dogs run. I enjoy it all, but there's, there's a divide there that I think it's, you know, and it's nice to this. Everybody's in this together because eventually something is going to threaten this, this tradition that we all have and that we all enjoy. And we're all going to have to stand up together to, to prevent from us losing that. Nobody wants to not be able to hunt anymore or, or dog hunt anymore. And, you know, people have whatever side of their argument they, they want to go with, whether it's, you know, they get tired of, of a pack of dogs running through their property. While they're trying to still hunt. I never heard anybody complain about that pack of dogs that ran a monster buck to them either. You know what I mean? It is what it is. It's I mean, all on how you conduct yourself. It is. Um, you know, if your dog gets on somebody's property, go ask permission. Don't go in there like you own the place. Be kind. Treat people like you'd want to be treated. Yeah. Put, your, put your shoe on the other foot. You know, if somebody came on your property, how would you want them to act? Right. I hate I hate seeing that. Well, I hate using that word, hate. But I just hate seeing that divide in this because uh, I feel like that's the biggest problem in, in the hunting industry. Well, not the hunting industry, but the hunting world for, for Virginia, that is. Cause well, I like to say this. You know, we are hunting as an act, but we should all be sportsmen. Right. So just like a football, no sportsman, unsportsmanlike conduct. You know? Right, right. Going back to that article I was talking about, because I think the other thing that I think no one really thinks about is, well, if you want to hunt, there's got to be something to hunt. What if the deer population takes a big hit? What if the the duck or the goose population takes a big hit? Even even deer have to worry about like COVID. You know, we got COVID, but you know what's you know you got diseases now that can wipe out a good portion of your deer population. Yeah. And it isn't all about deer. I started out, my dad loved to squirrel hunt. I started out when I was seven going squirrel hunting. And then, you know, we did some deer hunting. He wasn't the biggest deer hunter in the world, but when I got old enough, that was kind of, I kind of took off on that, but you can hunt squirrels, rabbits, birds. It's endless. And you know, the season, some of them start in September. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said earlier, and we're, we're lucky to have as long of a season as we have. And I've always been curious to know the numbers, how they stack up, you know, because some people know, well, we know as a club, we kill 50 deer a year or 60 a year, you know, and then I wonder, well, how many, I mean, how many deer, what's the population of Virginia? What's the buck population of Virginia? What is that? And, uh, you know, I was talking to you earlier about what that, that article in the Whitetail Times that Matt, I think, uh, I'm pretty sure Matt Knox wrote the article, which we got to have him on here, by the way. He actually won some like national awards recently. I think state of Virginia is lucky to have Matt Knox, mm-hmm. um, but some great, great facts in here. And, and it just kind of opened my eyes to some things, you know, did you know that when you come into deer season, October, there's approximately 250,000 bucks Roman state, 250,000. Generally, 
about 60% or over 60% of those are going to survive till the next year. By the end of archery and muzzleloading season, 41% of the total killed, which the total killed per year in just bucks alone is about 97,000. 41% of those are killed by the end of muzzleloading season. Here's where it gets kind of crazy. So by the end of the first week of general firearm season, 66% is killed. By the end of the second week, you're up to 82%. So 82% of your bucks harvested in the entire hunting season. By December 1st. By December 1st, that's it. Makes sense because, you know, you got what we talked about. You got the first two weeks of November, best time to get one. That's when most everybody's in the woods. Get the holiday right there, Thanksgiving. I think that's when the majority of people are, are out doing their thing. Yeah, that's when the cl- a lot of clubs hit the drought, we call it. You know, yeah, it's that three weeks of hard hunting and not jumping a lot or you're not seeing a lot. You know, and then when the weather gets cold and late, late season, the bucks get back together. They, uh, they figure things out and they go find a new hiding spot. Well, as far as the, the future of, the, of hunting goes, I mean, you guys pretty – is it bleak for us or what? What do you think? What do you think, Austin? You can always be hopeful. I don't – you always want to be positive. I think there's things that every one of us as as a sportsman can do to, you know, help up our odds, you know, um, respect, you know, respecting other hunters, landowners, properties, things like that, trying to do whatever we can to not lose – the privileges that we have as far as property or things like that. I mean, I'm hopeful. You never can tell with the gun regulations, you know, that that could hurt it as well. Sure, that could but, play a big part in it. But, you know, um, I feel like, you know, just working in this industry, it's, it's definitely still seems to be quite a few folks that are doing it in years like this year, hopefully will help to, to increase that. And so I'm hopeful, you know, especially with the apprentice license and the youth days that we can get folks out there that will want to continue in the sport. And, you know, I feel like I was selfish in, in some ways when I was younger, because I like hunting, taking people hunting, things like that. But in the back of my mind, as hard as it is to find a property or things like that, sometimes you think, you know, the more people we get into this, the less and less places maybe I'll have to to hunt and things like that. And I think some people think of it like that. But at the same time, you know, we could get to a point where we don't have enough folks out here doing this to be able to, you know, hang on to this tradition. So that's something that's changed you know, as far as my mindset, I always try to get out folks when I can, whether they're kids or adults who've never done it. Um, and I think we need to continue to do that because yeah. our voice needs to be strong and things like that. And it starts to taper out, then keep yeah, it on the Worried about. I agree, right? Travis, what do you think? Yeah, I think we're good for the distant years that we can see. Just got to keep getting that interest. Yeah, take a kid hunting and fishing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just get outdoors, man. That's what it's all about. Well, hey, look, guys, thanks for being here today. I want to thank everybody for listening. If, uh, if you got any questions and uh, interests as, as far as what we've discussed today, check out the Game Department's website. Of course, it's not called the Game Department anymore. But check out the Game Department's website or check out greentophuntfish.com. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you in the outdoors. Thanks for listening to the Green Top Outdoors podcast. Hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby. It's a lifestyle. Like and subscribe to the Green Top Outdoors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about Green Top at greentophuntfish.com.